welcome to The Truth In His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with a photographer, restaurateur, immigrant, sustainability advocate, and humanitarian, the co-owner with her husband, Mark Demshack, and executive chef David Zamudio of Alma Cochina Latina restaurant located in Station North. Please welcome Irina Stein. Welcome to the podcast. Hola, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. How are you? I'm excellent. See, that's, it's that's warmer. The... It's warmer outside and that makes me feel very good and the garden is about to explode. That's, so. that's going to be great. And <laughs> yeah, judging by yesterday, because I, I, we have some talking to talk. We have some talking <laughs> to do here. Uh, I, I, will, I will say that um, everything was just super fresh yesterday and just it was just herbaceous. I was like, this is great. And even though the temperature is great today, I am not dressed properly. <laughs> I'm dressed like it's still the fall time. So we'll see what happens for me. I think I'm going to take this shirt off and go into the t-shirt a little bit later. So as, as I start off, um, I, I want to, uh, I want to have you introduce yourself. Like give us your, your introduction because I gave that copy and paste offline. It was very sparse, obviously. So, um, could you introduce yourself and really tell us how we got here to you being one of the, like, most popping restaurants in, in Baltimore and in Station North? Like, all right, tell us how we got here. Hmm. So, I arrived in Baltimore in 1998 uh, from San Francisco, uh, and at the time I was in the arts, uh, at jewelry. But originally, my my profession is anthropology. So, um, after the towers fell uh, in New York, uh, there was a big change in the art community, and I needed to somehow survive. Um, because my daughter was going to college at the time and everyone in my environment encouraged me to turn to food, which was my big passion and hobby, <laughs> but I didn't want to go at it professionally because I know so many people that burn out from it. So anyway, out of need, right? Need is the mother of invention. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yes. Uh, sure enough. <laughs> I started, I started catering in the art galleries because that was my, my field and my world at the time. Then, um, that turned into uh, going and opening two cafes at Hopkins, uh, you know, for the last 20 years. I mean, I was there 15 years in total. And then, uh, with that experience, uh, at those cafes and, and feeding the academic community and the students and so forth with catering, we started catering, um, you know, in the city at large. But every time we had, um, Latin food on, on the menu, mm -hmm. which we, we were very diverse, what we were doing, people loved it so much that it was sold out so quickly that I decided to open, uh, a Venezuelan arepa bar. Originally, it was going to be an arepa bar. Yeah. Well, that didn't work out. <laughs> and uh, Bill Streeter, who's a wonderful man in this city, a uh, visionary in the city, offered me a space that was way too big for an arepa <laughs> bar and said, hey, how about a Venezuelan restaurant? And so, without a thought, here we were in a much bigger sphere, in yeah. an unknown sphere. It's very different to have a full-time restaurant, a full restaurant than two cafes. And, uh, and so it started, it started in Canton, yeah. uh, with a fantastic chef, uh, that came from Venezuela, actually. And we started then growing this Venezuelan community and Venezuelan culture within the space that we created in Canton. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in Canton, we stayed five years at the can company. And then during COVID, for many reasons, too long to explain <laughs> right here, we had the good fortune uh, to come to Station North. Yes. And that was an extraordinary uh, opportunity for Alma because Station North is a jewel of a, of a place because of all the arts that exist in it, because of the community that's so adventurous and so out there and so open and enthusiastic. And so that, you know, created a much better space for our food, a much better language understanding. And, and then we began to thrive. Um, over here. It took yeah. us all that time. <laughs> it took us all the five years in Canada and finally arriving to Station North, with, which is from the beginning where we should have been. But, you know, you have to pay dues in karma, I guess. And <laughs> no, it, it, it worked out. And, um, you know, I, I, I would take a step back. You mentioned uh, one of the cafes. Was that um, as a front? Yes. I a... used to go there all the time. Uh, what? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I believe that's a bocadillo on the menu. <laughs> Oh, how interesting. Uh -huh. we, we've been circling that. Um, oh, that's I, interesting. I worked above the can company for a while as well. Oh, my. Thank you. <laughs> I, I wanted to hold it. off on that. That and tell is so funny because it's a very odd location. The Space Telescope Institute is a very odd location for a cafe that was known in the city. Yeah. But, I mean, how can you not feed these fabulous people that are the eyes of the universe, right, for humanity? So it was a big honor to be there. Yeah, I, I was there. That was the uh, the lunch place for me every day. Oh, and wow. seeing, like, opportunities to explore in the menu. And I was like, okay, wow. there some interesting things in here i was like there are there are items that were accessible in that it's like okay there was a french fries i know what these are but then i'm doing my euro version of it people would make fun it's like why are you putting mayonnaise in your french fries like look it's here and it's delicious <laughs> and that was the first place where i had a san pellegrino so i just felt like super adventurous and just trying different things oh, that were on the menu and to to, ex to extend even into yesterday uh, when uh, my partner and I were able to go to the restaurant and check it out, and again, just we, uh, whenever I would have anyone come there to visit me on, on campus, uh, I would say, Hey, you need to come to this restaurant with me. And I'm, I'm their Sherpa, I'm their introductory point to oh, this food. Cool. And Thank that, ex you. that extends to Alma yesterday, as you know, I, I brought my girlfriend there, and we're trying all of these different things that are on the menu, and it's really a walk through like culture and an entry point to Venezuelan food for us. So could you share a few words that come to mind when describing Venezuelan food? Hmm. So, so first of all, it's fantastic to have one of the best restaurants, Venezuelan restaurants in the country here in Baltimore. Actually, it started in Baltimore and then it's expanded to DC, which normally is the contrary that happens. Yes. But, um, no, I'm very proud to say that Alma is actually the alma mater of many great chefs that, um, then started going to different cities around the United States and opening different places or, or being part of really great restaurants. So we, you know, uh, our focus on immigration, especially uh, Venezuelan immigration, is very important to us sure. because we have an exodus of six million people <laughs> since the dictatorship, you know, uh, hangs on tight over there and the economy is disastrous and medical is disastrous and so forth. But in the good, uh, shiny part of it, it, it was a little bit of a challenge in the beginning thinking, yeah. oh my God, a Venezuelan restaurant in Baltimore, that's crazy. But um, the, the, 
the idea behind uh, the restaurant uh, is, of course, to show the enormous, rich heritage of culture from that country of the Caribbean mm -hmm. uh, that, of course, um, has all the cultural influences that we talked a little bit uh, prior our conversation right now um, from Spain, of course, during colonization times and um, because Spain was under Moorish influence for so many centuries, we have then also this impact or influence of North African mm -hmm. food, which combines savory, savory and sweet a lot, you know, with the dry foods and the nuts, that's how they combine the sweetness. And you'll find oftentimes in Venezuelan food an element of sweetness somewhere. Yes. So that's really, really important that comes. And then, so that whole influence come to comes to Venezuela and, um, and then encounters uh, all the uh, indigenous foods, uh, you know, to, that territory yes. would come from the tropical environment, a rainforest environment, a mountainous uh, environment from the Andes. So we have this incredible richness in the geography of Venezuela. And so we have so access to so many varieties of food. So um, during the independence, uh, you can see the two worlds of, you know, those who want to leave you. Europe and Spain behind and want to establish themselves independently from the crown and meeting all these uh, local uh, local flavors you yeah. know, at the table and then you start seeing at the table the whole combination of all those all those foods coming together and from Venezuela of course primarily corn and yuca which makes it mm -hmm. you know ideally a gluten-free which is great for a lot of people but also you know uh, it it uh, wheat that was brought from Spain was no longer uh, the center of the table right it was corn and it was the arepa and that's how the history of the arepa starts uh, right there and that's why it's so important that the arepa is looked upon and it is the ambassador of our food culture you know in the world because as every venezuelan that lives in the world right now is bringing arepas with them and introducing them everywhere so um we are also very fortunate to have had now we have our second chef so the first chef enrique limardo is in dc with his great restaurants got a michelin star last week which is great Congrats. and we we have uh, a very young um chef uh david samudio who who has worked extremely hard since he's 16 years old all over the place um and polishing all the you know all his techniques but also watching so much imagination in gastronomy and i think what you see at alma all that imagination is a translation of all those years that he has spent uh working so very hard it's also a very particular line of gastronomy in venezuela because venezuela in the 70s when money was flowing like crazy in the street because of the oil industry, um, Venezuelans thought that foreign food was the best. So we had Italian, we had French, we had Chinese, we had this, and nah, nah, nah. everything but really good. And a lot of good chefs were coming because there was so much money and people right. were spending money like, it was, no, like no tomorrow. But then all these chefs from the generation that is now 45, 50 years old, they... Um, they really started when they went abroad to train, especially in Spain, okay, in San Sebastián, in all these Michelin places in Europe. They came back and realized, hey, we're keeping Venezuelan food 
as traditional, and then we're doing all this creative stuff with foreign food. What are we doing? And right. so started this whole movement, and actually in this century, <laughs> uh, this whole movement of creating very imaginative food with our own food. Yeah. from the tropics. So that's why we include plantain and we include yuca and we include cilantro and we include ají and, and all that. And and right now, what we're trying to do is establish somehow a connection between rainforest and alma, which is only found at the bar right now because of the quantities that I only can bring in my suitcase because <laughs> there's no shipping you know, that is happening from Venezuela. But I'm re really trying hard to instead of farm to table, which is wonderful, but to have rainforest to table because it's, um, it's for us a very important cultural aspect yeah. um, of our food that we'd like to introduce here in Baltimore. We, and we are the first ones actually to introduce it in the United States, which is great, which was we have lemon ants, we have ajíes or chilies from the rainforest that nobody has. We have uh, hot sauces made out of yuca from the Pemón Indians in the Tepuy area. And nobody has those things and you can have them at, <laughs> as our cocktail because we don't have enough you know, to offer from the kitchen. But once we establish that road from Venezuela to here in a shipping mode, we then can can start playing with those ingredients in the kitchen as well. That it, it's it's amazing and the definitely it's the culture vibe is there. Just it felt like we were traveling in a different place. Like knowing that we were in Baltimore, loving Baltimore, but also being in a place that felt like did we did we did we break our passports? So we did. <laughs> that's that's literally what it felt like. And seeing the, I, I guess the word that comes to mind for me, just in terms of ambiance, is tropical. It mm. felt tropical. It felt like I was on on a holiday, like on a vacation of sorts. And then as items that are coming out like we have a pretty diverse palette right and mm -hmm. it, as items are coming out and they are familiar things like i've never had um a, a dumpling with plantain in it and i was like mm -hmm. okay that's unique and i'm sitting there remarking <laughs> on it because that's how that's how i consume and it, it reminded me of just other places that i've gone to and being able to like in a few days after speak with like, Oh, you're the person behind this or you're the person that's, that's running this place and what have you. So it was a very, uh, I was very fortunate. It was a treat and, um, definitely a place I'm going back to. And again, I'm telling people like, look, man, you gotta go to Alma. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> thank you. So, so you're welcome. It's, it's my understanding that restaurants, cause I, you know, like I said, I'm a foodie. I, I'm, I'm probably a chef that's not a chef. Who knows? Uh, it's my understanding that restaurants work on a very thin margin and with changes that have happened, we had a lot of like things cost differently now, you know, uh, and, and things are pretty, pretty wild with, with those thin margins in mind, what are some of those hard decisions that you have to make as a running a restaurant in terms of maybe the menu, in terms of how you go about certain uh, facets of the restaurant? Like, all right, we might be meat free for this week, or we might go sourcing this way. Tell me about that a little bit, especially with just the increase of cost of things recently. <laughs> Interesting question. <laughs> well, um, the costs are higher. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And um, inflation, right? <laughs> we're trying not to. Well, and and the meat, uh, the meat choice actually has, um, and the meat, the fact that we don't have a lot of meat in the menu 
is more due to our um, conscience about the, or awareness, sorry, about climate change yeah. than anything. So we have a lot of fish and we have vegetables, uh, you know, a lot of vegetarian, and we are now focusing on vegan in the next coming months. There are a lot of vegan ingredients that are not available right now. So it's a, it makes it a little bit hard for the chef, but that's the direction with it. We try not to um, sabotage any quality at all in the choice of our ingredients and we pay what we have to pay because what you have in your plate is premium quality no matter what. So yes, our percentages are way higher than they should be in terms of food costs and labor, <laughs> but it's the reality of it. And at the same time, the challenge is how do we remain democratic at the same time? Because we want a place where everybody feels welcome, that yeah. you can come and have a drink and have a little bit to eat, or you can come and have a sophisticated, fabulous, you know, five course if you want, dinner, but all coexisting together, yes. which I think is, is you know, for me, and, and in Baltimore, especially, and in the world, this is a way to go. And it creates a tremendous, uh, interesting community rapports and dialogues and interactions within the restaurant that, for me personally, I treasure enormously since I live in the front <laughs> of the house. And I am very, very sensitive to that community um, that comes into Alma. So... Um, We'll see what happens in the future. We'd really try not to up the prices in some things. It's been hard because for the, the fish, for example, we never have anything frozen. So to have fresh fish every delivered every two days for the ceviche, you know, you see the portion of ceviche and some people say, hey, whoa, this is small for $20 <laughs> and said, yeah, but it's this red snapper that comes every two days, totally fresh. And it's very expensive to get right now, uh, red snapper. So I think people, if they show Shop for food and for fresh food, they realize how the costs are compared to a year ago, how the costs have increased. Um, a person that uh, eats more frozen food or more processed foods uh, might find the prices, um, you know, like not so approachable, right. of course. Um, but anyway, we're trying so hard. And I think that what has made it work is that so many people are coming to visit Alma every day yeah. and we thank every single person that comes because every single person that comes and and the abundance of the wonderful guests that are coming make it possible for us to continue that quality of food because the problem is that if we don't have guests coming uh and a lot of the guests coming in order to uh you know to let us purchase all this wonderful food we we would then have to reduce the menu considerably. We would have to, yeah, like you say, we would have to, to think in different ways, like we've done in the past when we were in Canton, actually. Yeah. So we had a practice of that, but it's hard. The creativity will never change, though, and the, the you know, the level of imagination and the quality would never change. But uh, right now, we appreciate everyone coming in because of, it allows us to live and it allows us to create. <laughs> and, and, and living in creation is what that area is about, really. And I think um, 
with Station North and it being like having now two really, really good restaurants there now fills in a gap that's been missing over there with your, with uh, Alma and with uh, Forged over there. It's just like right there. Then you have the comedy clubs that we were talking about mm-hmm. yesterday and, and these different things. It's like foot traffic. It's like, which place are you going to go to? Where are you going to yeah, have a meal? Yeah. Where are you going to have a drink? And yeah, Hellman was too alone there. Tapas Teatro was there yeah. um, and, and just very alone. But now we keep him company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, again, it, it's still one of those places where I think we'll see what happens with like the new train developments and things of that nature. It's more foot traffic and it's mm-hmm. food that's very approachable. And like I know because I have a refined palate. <laughs> Like, I, I, I notice all of the fresh. I was like, "Oh, that's cilantro right there!" And you're really going through it, and it's just it just works. And every element in it, like I do a movie review podcast, and I have this this bit I call one fix. Right? I was like, "Yeah, if a movie is good, it's still always one thing." So I apply that to many areas, including restaurants. And there's not one that comes to mind. It's just like top to bottom. From service to quality of food to just people, just folks being attentive. It's like, no, Alma's great. It it works. And more people just need to pull up and check it out. And it's a great, just great place. Um, Thanks so much again. You're welcome. (laughs) I I know I'm gassing you up a little bit, but it's it's, it's true. It's true. Uh, So now let's talk about like, I guess leadership. And it sounds really weird, right? Leadership, because it's like, hey, man, I'm just doing my thing. Yeah, this is what I do. so I, I like to like pick the brain of people who are, are running something and very successful at what they're they're doing. Is there like a, a book or something, or maybe a, a probably a book um, that's come to mind that has really had an influence on you professionally? Like I read that and I got some really great illuminations out of it, or I learned like a lot from this book. Now I follow this author. Is there a book that comes to mind for you? Well, <laughs> my personal training um, it, it comes very much from my practice of Buddhism. Mm. I have I have been a Buddhist now for forty nine years. <laughs> crazy, great. No, forty nine, forty three. I don't know. Since nineteen seventy three. How how old is that? I don't know. But that's how many years I've been practicing. And I would say that that's the guideline of of uh, my life and the way I try to lead. Um, Whatever we're, we're doing, because, um, the world tends to be so much into antagonism and pointing fingers and accusations and da da da. And within the restaurant industry, you see a, a lot of gossip as well that has existed. And it's so easy to, to try to, you know, um, look down on this person, talk bad about this person, and people feel very important when they do that. And uh, it's a horrendous, horrendous mm-hmm. habit that we have in our society uh, that then, you know, translates in the way we read news. Why aren't the big discoveries of humanity on the front page? <laughs> Why is it always the war? So people are constantly looking at each other in antagonism. And... Um, so what we're trying to do, and it's not easy because everybody is brought up to, to go like this, yes. is to try uh, that no matter how big our differences can be, to try to look at each other in a different way. And I think it's a, it's a way to dismantle the divides also in, in this city, the divides not only in racism, but also in the way we uh, perceive uh, society and the way we are. 
and who we are. <laughs> so, I mean, for us, even a Venezuelan restaurant, we are all immigrants there. Yeah. And, uh, and Venezuela is known for what? Beauty queens and a dictatorship. <laughs> oh, and oil. <laughs> and oil. But, I don't know if all of those are great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, uh, so, you know, the idea of, of showing that as immigrants also, we are doing something great and contributing to the United States, contributing to local culture, to to, um, to contributing to diversity in everything we do in our endeavors and our, our ways to look at things and the ways of speaking, etc. But going back to, to the book, it's rather a philosophy yeah. uh, to try to, especially because we work with a, a lot of young people, it's a philosophy to turn that around and see our differences more uh, as a, an, enriching, an enriching factor yeah. instead of, um, you know, like how do you say... Um, Separation or, or destruction from each other or lack yeah. of respect for each other. That for me is fundamental is to raise the humanity within the restaurant. The restaurant industry comes from very military terms, 19th century France. And in a lot of restaurants, you know, even if they say, Oh, I'm buying local and I'm all organic and I'm this and I'm that. But then the treatment mm -hmm. What's <laughs> between in the humans is is so medieval, and and personally I'm extremely sensitive to that, and I know it's really difficult. There's machismo involved, you know, or there are people that are trained in very militaristic kitchens, and they come with a very strict way and a very strict dynamic. But the idea is that treatment with respect for me, is something that has to be developed and it's a constant work. It's not just magic. Oh, that sounds pretty. Let's do it. No, because everybody has the ingrained habits. Yeah. But somehow we've got to win that because the only way to do a democratic place and also to expand um, the beauty, not only of the food and the cocktails, and so, but in general, the humanity yeah. within a place. So. And, I, and I, I think with it, one of the things that happens is it's almost like we have someone's like, we've all read the same book. So you're going to have the same ideologies. If you all kind of had the same experience or the same sort of training, then you're just splintering off. It's like when that new generation of folks comes along, that's like, maybe this isn't the way we should run a kitchen. Mm -hmm. Maybe this isn't the way mm -hmm. we should treat our staff. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should be more inclined and to, to, to look at people as, as humans, as people and mm -hmm. have some humanity and generosity and, and, and approachability and, and the conversations that I've had with folks recently in, in that in that hospitality realm, because at the end of the day, that's what it is, mm -hmm. is hospitality. Absolutely. And there's no room for that militaristic thing. Mm -hmm. There's no room for that like kind of dictator stuff. You have a standard that mm -hmm. you're going to approach and mm -hmm. kind of this is how we do things. Mm -hmm. But you know how like businesses will say people are our best resources but then treat their people like crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's, it's that, you know, like, yeah. can we get back to treating people like people first mm -hmm. and then kind of extending from there to have what mm -hmm. our culture is? I think that's how you develop a likable culture. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's a, a, it's a constant seduction to those who have a harder time coming into a more democratic realm, but we got to work together. It's yeah. the only way. <laughs> so. And I think, 
even doing this has made me more aware to how people operate. That's why I asked some of the questions mm-hmm. out of like one sheer curiosity, but two, how is this different? And maybe someone listening that, that maybe works in a restaurant that maybe is an artist is like, you know what? I should do this differently. Maybe I am doing that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should be able to empathize a bit better. Mm-hmm. And listening to this conversation might, might help people with that. Um, so I got the book out of the way. All right. <laughs> um, there was no book. There, there was. There was none. There was none. It was just experience. Yeah, it's the book of life. You the know? book of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's the book of life. You're uh, right on. <laughs> so I got, I got two more real questions, and then I got those rapid fire questions that everyone loves. Um, so the it, it, within the the entrepreneurial journey, right? We have our ups, we have our downs, but a lot of times. I think we miss that moment. Like, at least I know for, for me, when I'm doing this, um, like a podcast or I'm doing like a, I'm nervous always. Um, especially when it's in front of people or in front of a stage, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be terrible. Yeah. And then yeah. I'm usually yeah. really good. Right. Yeah. So but there's an excitement there. I think that's what it is. Could you share one of like more exciting moments for you during your career? The exciting moment is to see people smile when they're having a bite to eat at our place. It truly is. I like to watch all, all the body language and I like to watch the faces of people when they're trying and they're looking <laughs> at <is> their <laughs> guests and, you know, they're looking at their partner or their friend or whatever. And I, for me, that is the, the height of happiness. And to know that, um, the place that we work so hard at, um, is loved by the community. For me, that's the ultimate happiness. It, it really is. It, it, because it's so hard. The industry is so hard. Um, that, that our biggest reward is, is that, is, is in those faces. And it's, uh, also in the dialogue with, uh, our guests and, and uh, dialogue about the food and the culture and how they liked it and so forth. And, um, there are many people that have enjoyed our food and that makes us very happy. That's great. That is great. Thank you. That, that's real when you hear it on occasion. Like I said, I've talked to people in the industry and, They'll talk about like, no, it's, it's like, you got to love this. Like, it's hard. You got to love it. Yeah, you got to be a little bit insane to, to do this, to, to live in this industry. So whenever people say, oh, no, open a restaurant, I said, over my dead body. You have, to, <laughs> you have to go through my testing. And then we, by the end of the testing, you still want to open a restaurant. I'll still challenge you even further because you know that you won't have private life. You know that it's going to be a challenge to be off, you know, at all times. And so it's it's a big commitment. And you better know what's coming. And you better know that you have to be in it because if you're not in it and you run it from afar it ain't gonna work no you gotta just be (laughs) in it and that's one of my rapid fire questions i think you're gonna appreciate um so this is the last one and this kind of goes back into that line because we try to um on this podcast we try to give out those gems and those jewels for people who are listening um so what what do you think um are the three traits that come to mind for and I know that, that, that it's dipped in Buddhism. I'm, I'm starting to notice. <laughs> but what are those three traits that come to mind that make you like just like I've only heard good things about Alma. Only heard good, only heard good things about you. So in that, what are those three traits that you feel are that make you successful to make you kind of beloved and appreciated for the work that you're doing? And with it, this is the caveat. 
what was the hardest to master? Like people would ask me like, why do you do this? And it's like, oh, I try to be authentic and, and all of these other traits. And it's like, what's the hardest one? It's like, talking to people, (laughs) eye contact sometimes is hard. What is a hard trait for you to master that you, you know that you're, you're doing within your work, but what was hard for you to master? Um, wow. I think it was, and yes, the practice of Buddhism helps a lot to continue, continuously hold the confidence that in the end we will win. And in the end, we'll succeed. Uh, because the amount of obstacles that come your way, especially on that philosophical sense that I'm telling you, it's really hard to try to open a realm, you know, uh, of humanity that way and to keep it going and to really transform a whole space of people together that I find to be very hard and sometimes disheartening because of the gossip that I'm telling you or because the training, you know, previous training of people and the way they've learned to be in the world, etc. Um, however, no, but the perseverance is something that every day uh, you need to really thrive to have that trust in life that you can succeed and put all the love that you can possibly have inside you to do your work. But that's been, and you know, the courage too. It's always, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) the courage is, is another factor that we need to have, you know, it's another trait of life that we really need when we want to accomplish dreams. Uh, and it seems so impossible. Um, I had a lot of lack of self-esteem when I was very young because we grew up in different places and so I didn't know exactly how to find myself in the world and that put me in a situation of low self-esteem when I was in my late teens. And it was very hard to jump out of that and say, no, I can be in the world, but with all those cultures combined and I can do something with it instead of trying to imitate people or just saying, oh, it was hard. But um, again, I mean, jumping with courage and courage, you know, do this, ah, and then courage. I, I, I continuously have stage fright, yeah. uh, especially in catering. I, I, those things are real, <laughs> the anxiety and, and all that. However, um, you know, the, the, the exercise of uh, developing courage has really helped to overcome uh, that. And so I just care for people and for humanity tremendously. Yeah. And, uh, and then through work is where I can, you know, experience whether we're contributing or not in our society and in our, uh, in our community. And, we're, and that's why I care so much of what happens inside those walls. Um, but it, again, it's courage because we're all so different. We come from a city, in a city also that has been so divided. Yeah. And so I am so sensitive to that. And as a foreigner, I don't sometimes have the right words that I use, or I might sound politically incorrect, or I'm, and then I'm older. And so then I, you know, I don't master a lot of the slang and I don't master a lot of the language, but that's the way it is. I mean, I, and so that those things are fears. They're, yeah. they're legitimate fears. Uh, but you know, we, we have to keep on going because the dream is to create something extremely special in the city. So. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's something to be applauded to want to create something special in the city and in Baltimore and Station North because it is that it is one of many, but one of those like beacons, those cultural hubs that is just right there. It's concentrated. And um, I think Alma is a welcome uh, addition to the neighborhood. Thanks so much. We love it there. <laughs>
So now it's time for the rapid fire questions,、mm-hmm. and so all of the goodwill that we've established is all going to go out of the window. <laughs> it's going to get weird. All right. So the thing with this, we're going to try to answer these as quickly as possible. I'm going to throw you a softball to start this off, though. For those who are undipped, what does alma mean? Alma means soul in Spanish,、yes. and and as a soul, it's a heart. Uh, the heart of the community. So the name Alma is because we want Alma to be, or our space to be, a heart, a, a place for gathering for our community. See, told you softball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a softball. <laughs> All right.、Um, describe now. There'll have to be like a sentence or anything, but describe Baltimore in three words. When you think of Baltimore, what are the first three words that come to mind? Um. It's a city with、um, in the middle of a Renaissance time for it. It's a city with a very deep history, which I love, but a history that needs to be transformed. And I think that generations, the young generations now, are definitely working very hard and passionately to transform its past and make something extraordinary out of it. Anthropology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, Now this is for me because, like I said, I'm a foodie and I like to steal ideas,、uh, borrow <laughs> ideas.、Uh, what Venezuelan snack do you enjoy the most? Like you mentioned chocolate before we got started as kind of like one of those those、yeah. things. What is the the go? There's a lot of exports that you know that I'm learning about. So what, what's the snack that comes? But <laughs> chocolate、mind? is huge. Chocolate is huge in our country, and、uh, our chocolate from Venezuela goes all over the world to the best chocolatiers in the world. And 10% of the production goes to the artisans in Venezuela. And then every time I go, I bring a lot of it. But my other favorite is plantains. Speaking my language right now. <laughs> I am a plantain lover, like you would not believe. I think it's the best. What is your your favorite way to have plantains? Just just like chips? What do you? How do you like? No,、them? no, no. Fried plantains. Oh, Maduro.、Uh, super Maduros. Yeah. The very ripe plantains, fried. Yes. I've, the I've, chef can tell you how many times I ask. Oh, please, can you put some plantains <laughs> on this meal? He looks at me. Ah、uh-huh, ha! That is so you. <laughs> That's how I got my girlfriend. Actually, <laughs> I make I make plantains pretty well. Like、um, my my first job out of college was in a Spanish speaking call center, so I I picked up a few tricks. It's like look, make make sure the skin is like almost black, bro. I was like, what do you mean? Yes, <laughs> yes,、uh, yes, yes. I want the only way. So this is the last question I got for you.、Um, um, finish this sentence. When I'm not at Alma, I'm. What are you doing when you're not at Alma? I'm doing photography, or I'm in the garden, <laughs> or I'm with my grandchildren, or I'm visiting friends, or <laughs> I have so many ors because I love life. That's great to hear, though, and it definitely <laughs> is、uh, reflected.、Um, so yeah, that's that. I think.、Uh, so thank you for coming to this podcast, and I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, to check out Alma, all of the good stuff. So feel free to tell folks where to find you online and all of that stuff. Okay, so it's very simple. It's Alma Cocina Latina. If you go for Alma Cocina, you'll find yourself in Atlanta, Georgia. So you don't want to go there.、Uh, Instagram is Alma Cocina Latina. <laughs> the website is Alma Cocina Latina. And my email is Irena at Alma Cocina Latina dot com. <laughs> so. So there you have it, folks. For Elena Stein, I am Rob Lee saying that there is community, art, 
heart, soul, in and around Baltimore, you just have to look for it.